0: Thank you, Mark. Wow, he makes me sound really cool. (laughs) I don't think I'm all that he says, but um, I'm grateful to be here with you today. I'm sporting my new COF Women t-shirt. For those of you who weren't with us yesterday, I do want to encourage you to join us for our Christmas dinner. It's going to be a lot of fun, like Cherie said. I want to uh, give a shout out this morning, just real quickly before I start, to my mom and dad. They are always watching with us online. I love you, and I'm glad you're here with us today. I told my dad I was going to wink at him um, to watch for that today. But there's a park in Mexico um, south of Cancun. It's called Iscaret. Maybe some of you guys have been there. I don't know if you've ever been there. But it used to be one of my favorite places, um, especially when we lived in Cancun, to go and just spend the day relaxing out there. But they have a really unique feature at this park, and that is that they have these underground rivers. And you can actually snorkel in them. Now if you're claustrophobic this is probably not your ideal vacation but um it was really cool to be in there and to snorkel and one of the interesting things is they have these little fish that live in these underground rivers and they have eyes but they're blind they can't see. They've lived in the dark all these years in this underground river and they never developed their vision they never developed the ability to see. And I think if we're not careful as followers of Christ as believers If we're not careful, the same thing can happen in our spiritual lives. We lose our vision if we don't use it, if we don't develop it. Like Mark said, vision is often a word I think all of us associate with those visionary-type people, you know, the corporate leaders or musicians or artists or the inventors, the billionaires of our world, and we look up to them and admire them, and we think, you know, they have great vision And it certainly requires great vision for them to do the things that they do. The Bible even says in Proverbs 29, 18, without vision, the people will perish. The Bible clearly says that vision is important. One of Mark's favorite things to do is to sit around and and dream about the future and think what it might be like and how we can meet those needs that are coming before us in the future. And honestly, I hate to do that. It's my least favorite thing to do. I feel like I don't have any vision. It's just like Mark said, I'm very much a more practical, day-to-day, everyday person. And I just thought, well, I don't, I don't have vision, you know? But one day, God began to show me something different. Yes, there's a special gift of vision that he's given to some people, those visionary-type people. But there's a type of vision for every one of us as his followers, as his children. And he wants us to develop that. It's a vision that honestly is even more important. It's the vision that Jesus had. And he can certainly see the future. He knew what was coming. But he had vision for everyday people, vision for ordinary people. And that's what he's called us to do, vision for ordinary people in ordinary lives with ordinary jobs and ordinary relationships. Every one of us has been called to have that type of vision. So what is vision then? I would tell you that vision is just the ability to see with Jesus' eyes. To see with Jesus' eyes. It's the ability to look at people and to look at situations and to look at at them in a, and respond to them in the way that Jesus does, to see them with his eyes. That's the vision that God wants us to develop. It's one of the greatest character qualities that we could have. I mean, if you could imagine if the whole world saw everything with the eyes of Jesus, wow, it'd be a different place, wouldn't it? It'd be a whole different place. It changes everything. John Maxwell defines vision as the ability to see, the faith to believe and the courage to act, and I think that describes Jesus' vision perfectly. There are two stories in the Bible, well, there are many stories, of of Jesus having interactions with women, but I want to share two of them with you today, and they talk about vision. The very first one is the story of the woman at the well. You've probably heard it described as that way. Jesus was traveling with his 12 disciples, and he took them through the area called Samaria, And typically, Jews would avoid this area. They would go around it and walk through it because the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They weren't people that they wanted to interact with. But Jesus took them through there, and his disciples became hungry. And so he sent them into the town to get something to eat. And you know, Jesus never does anything um, that doesn't have a purpose, right? He always has a purpose for what he does. While they're gone he walks up to the local well, the water well, and there's a Samaritan woman there, and he begins to talk to her. And she's surprised, you know, that this Jewish man would speak to her, a woman and a Samaritan. But in their conversation, Jesus reveals to her for the very first time that he's revealed to anybody that he's the Messiah. And this woman is so excited after she talks to him that she runs back into town and she tells everyone, you have to come see this guy. I think I've met the Messiah. And this is where the story picks up. It says in John 4, 27, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. The disciples are still kind of uncertain and surprised at what's going on. And then Jesus said to his disciples, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Jesus had a lesson for them that day about vision. That's why he took them into Samaria. When Jesus told the 12 guys to lift up their eyes, do you know what they saw? They saw all the people streaming out of town. And, you know, they had probably just passed that woman when they were walking into town, and she was walking out to the well, and they hadn't seen her. And Jesus says, I want you to see. He says, guys, this is your mission. These are the people. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're hurting. They they don't have a right perspective on God. They're living in darkness. They don't even understand their need. Disciples probably We're surprised to hear him say that. But I think if we would lift up our eyes today, we'd see the very same thing. All around us are people who are hurting, they're broken, they're hungry. You see people enslaved to sin. You'd see people addicted to things that are actually self-destructive. You'd see people who are upside down in their thinking, who call what's wrong right and what's right wrong. And you'd see people who are blinded by the enemy to the truth of the gospel. And God wants you to know, just like he wanted those disciples to know all those years ago, this is your mission. This is your assignment. He wanted them to feel the weight of that. You have something better. You have Jesus. You have good news. You have the light. And he wants us to shine that light in the dark places. That's what it means to have God's vision, that we see people like he does. And he wants every one of us to be able to do that. I think there are three things that characterize vision today, Jesus' vision, that I want us to see, among many other things as well. But we'll talk about these three today. The first one is faith. Jesus' vision is characterized by faith. He looked at every person, every situation, every opportunity, every day of his life with faith. Everything he did was completely covered in faith. Every word he spoke, every action he took, every prayer he prayed, was covered in faith. Jesus knew that no matter what was going on in his life, he could trust that God was going to be there. That God could handle it, that God was at work, that God was in control and he was going to see him through to the other side of whatever it was. Hebrews 11:1 says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's exactly how Jesus saw the world. He was certain of God, and he rested in that truth. And he says, I want you to see the world that way as well. In my Bible, many years ago, beside that verse, I wrote these words. It says, God equals what we do not see. So if you plug that into the verse, it says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of God. That's living a life with vision. That's seeing things the way Jesus sees them. And it's how God wants us to live for. As well, to be certain of God, certain of his love, certain of his ability to handle anything, seeing and knowing who God is. If I know God's with me, I won't be paralyzed with fear or indecision. If I can trust him to work in me and through me to solve my problems, there's nothing that I can't do, right? Matthew 19 26, Jesus himself says this. He looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but with God, everything is possible. That's amazing. He didn't say some things are possible. He said a few things might be possible. He said everything is possible. That doesn't leave anything out. Everything is everything. There's no impossible situation, no impossible person, no impossible relationship, no impossible circumstance. Vision is knowing who God is and seeing that anything is possible. Vision has faith that God can handle it, whatever it may be. And that's what he wants to envelop, develop in our vision today. The second thing that characterizes Jesus' vision is forgiveness. Forgiveness is a type of vision because it requires me to see who I am and then to see who somebody else is, to see the truth about myself and to see the truth about everybody else around me. It requires me to remember how much I've been forgiven, and then in my life be able to see that other people are just as loved and forgiven by God as I am. That's how Jesus sees every one of us. Forgiveness colors his vision. You know, you've heard of rose-colored glasses. Jesus looked at the world through forgiveness-colored glasses, and that's what he wants us to do, no matter who it is or what they've done, where they are, to put on those forgiveness-colored glasses. The second encounter of Jesus with a woman I want to share with you today, you'll find in Luke chapter 7. Listen to this story. When one of the Pharisees, Simon, invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town, who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Who do you suppose will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Again, Jesus is teaching a lesson on vision. You have to see yourself for who you are, a deeply loved, forgiven sinner And then you're able to see other people for who they are, deeply loved, forgiven by God. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. I'm not forgiven because I've earned it or deserve it in any way. I'm not forgiven by God because I promise to never sin again. I'm forgiven by God simply because I asked him to and he gave me his grace and his mercy and forgave me. I asked him to be my savior, and he comes and does that when we ask him. We've received his grace and forgiveness, and because of that, he wants us to offer grace and forgiveness to the people in our lives. Sometimes that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? But when I see other people through these forgiveness-colored glasses, it changes my attitude. It fills me with compassion. It changes the way I speak and respond and think about other people, and Jesus is saying, that's the vision I want to develop in you. I want to change who you are by forgiveness, by receiving it and by offering it. You know, whatever we've been given by God, we're to offer to others. The Bible teaches that all throughout the scripture. If you've been given money, it hasn't been given to you so that you can enjoy the good life. It's been given to you so that you can offer it to other people. If you've been given a specific talent or gift, it's not just so you can enjoy it but it's so you can share it with other people. And God wants you to bless people with that gift. The same is true of forgiveness. If God has forgiven you, he didn't do it just so you could live a happy, guilt-free life. He did it so that you would in turn offer forgiveness to the people in your life. As we do that, we are showing them who God is and how much he loves them. Colossians 3.13 says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Having the vision to see others with the lens of forgiveness means I recognize they're broken, they're sinful, just like I am. And when I begin to see people that way, it changes me. I become softer. I become more understanding. I become more compassionate, more approachable. I become relatable. I become kinder, more loving. All of those things that Jesus wants for us in our lives, when we offer forgiveness to other people, when we begin to see them as sinners who are loved and forgiven by God, it changes us. And that's what God's trying to do. Remember, over the course of your life, to make you more like Jesus. We just sang, if I'm not dead, you're not done yet. That's what it means. He's still working in your life. He's still transforming you in your life until you see Jesus face to face. God brought this truth home to me several years ago when I faced a difficult situation with another lady. And that was hard for me. That uh, rarely happens. I get along with most anybody in the world. But this lady was actually one of our kids' teachers. So this was many years ago. and, And she just had been really unkind to one of my kids. And she'd said things actually about us and our family that weren't even true. And I remember thinking, you know, How horrible she is, and just generally not a very nice person. And I thought to myself, I would never do what she has done. And as soon as that thought passed through my mind, my heart just sunk. And I thought, Laura, you've done exactly what she's done. The only difference between me and her is that I've experienced the love and forgiveness of God. That's the only difference. She's not different from me. She just hasn't experienced that yet. And it was as if God said to me, so now what are you going to do? It's one of those moments when God says, you have the opportunity now to choose. Are you going to love this person? Are you going to offer kindness and compassion? Are you going to offer forgiveness, whether they ask for it or not? That's what God is saying. And you know, it's always there, but for the grace of God we go, right? Seeing forgiveness also enables me to see that I don't ever have to get even. I don't have to avenge myself if I've been hurt. And that was a lesson for me that day as well. Romans twelve nineteen says, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Don't try to get even. Don't retaliate. Don't seek revenge. The lens of forgiveness frees us up from having to do that. When we have forgiveness and we see through Jesus' eyes, we don't have to do that anymore. God says he'll take care of it, and I mean, honestly, who would you rather have on your side, right? He sees the truth in everything, and he said, I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. You don't have to. The third thing of many that characterize Jesus' vision is love. And that sounds pretty simple. That's the church answer, right? (laughs) But so often we forget. So often we forget. We leave love out of our dealings with other people. And love isn't just an emotion. If you have that feeling, that's great. But love, honestly, is a God-centered, God-inspired way of looking at the world and acting in the world. I remember at one of our staff meetings many years ago, uh, Mark was talking about how Um, every day matters here at Community of Faith and every person matters at Community of Faith. And he had us write it down on little index cards so that we could, you know, put it up on the bulletin board or stick it on the mirror or wherever that we would see it every day and be reminded that every person matters here at Community of Faith and that every day matters. What we do here matters. And it was a great reminder for me because we so often let people just slip through the cracks, right? I mean, we get busy in our lives we have stuff to do, right? You have families and jobs, and, and it's so easy to let them slip through the cracks. And, and I began around that time praying that God would help me see people like he does, that I would see them with Jesus' eyes and I would love them like he does. And it's always interesting when you ask God to do something like that, because he does. He answers those prayers, and he is always faithful to do it. Now, since then, honestly, I find myself every once in a while just getting a little tiny glimpse of what I think God sees in people. Maybe I'm at the grocery store, you know, and you're dealing with that person that's maybe a little, little hard to deal with. You've, you all know who those people are. And all of a sudden, I'll have just a, a glimpse, and it has to be a thing from God, of who this person is, their Humanity. And that they are loved by God and, and they're beautiful because they were created and designed by God and loved by him. And it'll be like just a split second and then it's gone. That's all I can handle of God maybe. Um, but I love that he does that. And he does it because I asked him, help me to see people like you do. Help me to see them with love. We were at uh, the Great Wolf Lodge this summer with our uh, grandkids and with our daughter and her family. And I remember, uh, Mark, I think was in the wave pool with Zoe and I was sitting in one of the chairs, just watching them have fun. And, and it was really cool to see all the young families there. And there were people with like little tiny babies who I thought to myself, this child is never going to remember this trip to the great wolf lodge. And you've paid all this money to come here. (laughs) And then it was one of those moments, for a second, I saw the beauty of their humanity. Yes, that child won't forget, but these parents wanted them to have the best experience. And honestly, I think inside that child's mind and spirit, they'll remember. They'll know. They won't have words. They won't be able to tell you, we went to the Great Wolf Lodge, but they'll know. And I thought, that is such a beautiful thing to see, the beauty of humanity that God created. So he sees beauty in every one of us. He sees below the surface below the walls and the masks that we put up to to make us look like we're okay right he sees our potential he sees who he created us to be and the plans that he has for us and god wants us to develop that kind of vision as well that we can look at somebody and see that they have great potential that god designed them with a plan and a purpose in mind and god loves them and because of that i can choose to love them too jesus Vision enables me to love even the most unlovely person. Listen to the end of the story in Luke chapter 7 again. Jesus had just talked to Simon about forgiveness. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? That was Simon's fundamental problem. He never really saw her, did he? He'd already passed judgment on both Jesus and the woman. The Bible is pretty discreet in calling her uh, a woman who had a sinful life. I mean, she was a prostitute. She was sold her body to men. She was a professional at it. The big shock here is that she showed up at a Pharisee's home at all because they normally would have never crossed paths. They wouldn't have spoken to one another. But because they both wanted to see Jesus, they ended up in the same room together. They had the same purpose. And Simon said, she's a sinner. He thought he was better than her. And you know what Jesus said? She was a sinner, but she's not anymore. It's not who she is. I've changed her. God changed the tense of her life. She was one way, and now she's another way. She's been cleaned because of her faith. Jesus saw her, and he knew how he was going to transform her. Love sees potential, not who we are, not who we were, but who we're going to be. God is going to make us into. Love sees that hidden beauty and brings it out. Have you ever watched that show on HGTV, the the flea market find? I'm a big HGTV fan. You wouldn't know it if you looked at my house, but um, (laughs) it's a show where they go into these flea market. It's kind of a competition. So two or three people go in and they look for the the worst object that they can find, you know, maybe they're rusty, broken, whatever, torn up piece of furniture, and they make a plan to restore it and use it for a significant way. And so they buy this thing, they go in, they clean it, they sand it, they polish it, they put it back together so that it's beautiful again, and it can be useful. And that so reminds me of what God does with us. He goes in, and he finds us, and we're broken and wounded and dirty, and he says, oh my gosh, I can see, I can see it, I can see what I can do with you, and he brings you out of that, and he, you know, sands you off, and he cleans you up, and he puts the broken pieces back together, and then he says, now here's how I want to use you. That's the vision of Jesus. That's how he wants us to see people with love like that, Jesus sees each of us as unique and special and beautiful and perfectly created for his purpose, and that's how he wants us to see one another. 1 Peter 4.8 says, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. It's a choice, and it's a choice you continue to make. Grammatically, that verse actually says, keep on showing deep love to one another, and love will keep on covering a multitude of sins. It's because we all need it, right? and we keep on needing it. So how do we develop vision? How do we get the vision that Jesus has? I want to give you just quickly before we go today, four simple steps um, to help develop Jesus' vision. And I want you just to choose one this week. You don't have to do all four. Um, Pick one, and then maybe next week pick another one. But last week, Mark encouraged you to develop um, the spiritual discipline of reading your Bible every day. If you were here, you remember that. He talked about Um, beginning with the book of John and reading just a few verses every day and saying, God, teach me. God, show me what you want me to know. And begin your day that way. If you haven't done that yet, that's where I want you to start this week. Make that a habit. It will change your life completely. If you've already started that, then here's something I want you to think about doing to memorize scripture. Scripture. This is the next step to make a habit of memorizing the scripture. Maybe start with a verse that you read in the book of John, or maybe you start today with Matthew 19, 16. Humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. When we memorize God's word, then when those challenging times come along, and they will, we're ready. We have God's word to hold us strong and to hold us firm and to keep our feet on the ground, those scriptures come back to our minds. So begin to make this a habit. Maybe one verse a week or one verse a month. Just get started and memorize scripture. Hide it in your heart. The second step that you can do, if you want to choose this one this week, is just begin to pray. I remember when our kids were young and they would ask us, you know, how to do something. Like, Dad, teach me to play basketball. They didn't ask me that. (laughs) Or, Mom, teach me to make banana bread or or whatever it was. And it it always made me really happy to know that they wanted me to teach them something. And God's the same way. He's thrilled when you ask him. Say, God, teach me to see with the eyes of Jesus. Teach me to look at every person with forgiveness and love and faith. And he's going to be thrilled. And he's going to answer. That's the thing. If you ask him, he will do it. And if you ask him to to help you choose to love all people all the time and to see that not one person you encounter today is not deeply loved by God, he's gonna do that for you. So maybe that's your step this week. You just pray and watch God answer. The third thing that you may consider doing today, maybe you already do all of those other things, or maybe this is just where you wanna start, is to enlist the help of other people. This is so important to do and it can be so hard to do. Have you noticed that? We live in this culture that's all about independence and, you know, the rugged go-it-alone spirit. And depending on your personality, it may be even harder. I'm one of those people that, you know, I want to do it on my own. I, From the time I was two, I think I told my parents, I can do it myself. And I still use those words. (laughs) I don't need any help. I can do it myself. But God never intended for us to live the Christian life that way. He said, you need people in your life. If you're going to learn to have my vision, you need someone to come alongside you um, and remind you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You need to connect with other followers of Jesus and ask them to help you. Find that person who's gonna you know, remind you when you aren't looking at somebody with forgiveness. Find that person who's gonna come alongside you in life and and help you forgive when you're struggling. If you're in part of our uh, authentic manhood group that's been meeting on Tuesdays, ask one of those guys, one of those guys at your table. If you were here yesterday with the women, text one of those ladies that you sat with and ask them to be your help and I promise you, Anybody you ask is going to be happy to do that for you. They want to be a part of your life. You can't do it alone or you're going to struggle. So find somebody, maybe it's your small group. Say, I need you to come along beside me. I'm praying, asking God to give me the vision of Jesus. Will you help me? Will you remind me? And they will. The last thing I want you to see is just that we have to take action. We have to take that first step. When our son David was a senior in high school, he went to a a boarding school in California that was for artists, and he was part of their creative writing program, but they had every form of art at this school. And I remember we went for Parents Weekend one weekend, and they gave us a tour of all the areas of the school, and when we came to the pottery warehouse, um, they said, would you guys like to try? And I thought, sure, how hard can it be, right, to form a pot with your hands? <laughs> I was wrong. Um, The thing I learned, honestly, is that in order to form this pot and make it into something beautiful and useful, the wheel had to be spinning. And if it wasn't moving, nothing was going to happen with that clay. The same is true in our spiritual lives and our lives with Christ. If we're not moving, nothing's going to happen. That's how God works in us. It's almost like that baby learning to walk. Until they take that first scary step, they're not going to walk, right? if you're on a bicycle, you have to keep moving or you fall over. It's the same thing. God wants us to take action. We'll never actually develop the vision of Jesus until we take those first scary steps. We have to trust to choose God's word. We have to offer forgiveness and grace. We have to choose to love the people around us. Those are all choices and actions that we take. So we have to just take that first step. I have to choose to do those things that God's talking about. Matthew 13, 16 says this, but blessed are your eyes because they see. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He'd been sharing parables with the people in the community, and most people didn't really understand. A parable's kind of a story that has a, um, a meaning to it. But the disciples could come to Jesus and say, explain this to us. And he says, you're blessed because you have eyes to see. And I think for us, God's saying today, I want you to see these things, that vision is for all of you, that Jesus' vision is what I want to develop in you, and you will be blessed because of it. I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. I don't want you to live your life blind like those fish down in Mexico. I want you to develop your spiritual vision, that vision that Jesus has, the way of looking at people with the love that he does. But you know, humanly speaking, it's not possible, right? It's only as we live every day filled with God's Spirit that we can develop Jesus' vision. So before we go today, I want to practice some spiritual breathing. Mark has done this with you guys numerous times in the past. But I want you just to see God there before you with your eyes closed. And I want you to start today just by telling God something you're thankful for today. Maybe it's something he's done. Maybe it's something he's provided for you. Just something you're thankful for. Maybe it's just the sunshine today. And I want you to tell him something that you like about him. That's praise. What are those character qualities you like? Maybe you want to praise him because he has vision and that he saw you and saw potential. I want you to breathe out. Breathing out is confessing. Ask God to show you if there's anything in you that's not pleasing to him. And then simply agree with him. Don't try to dredge anything up. Let his spirit show you if there's something there. Repentance is just saying, God, I agree. That was ugly. Now I want you to breathe in. Ask God to fill you anew with his spirit today. Ask him to give you vision. Jesus' vision. Ask him to help you see with faith, forgiveness, and love. If there's someone you struggle with, ask him in particular for that person, that he would give you eyes of forgiveness, eyes of love, to see their humanity, to see that they're deeply loved by God. Now tell him which one of these steps you're going to take this week to help you either begin to read his Bible every day, to begin to memorize scripture, to pray, to point out that person that you can enlist to help you along the way, and to begin to take action. Lord, we are so very grateful today that you are good and everything you do is good and you can't do anything else. Lord, we pray that that would be said of us one day. We thank you that you loved us enough to offer Jesus' life up so that we could experience your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we so much want to demonstrate that to the rest of the world. We want them to see Jesus in us. We want community of faith to be known as a place where Jesus lives, that when people walk in here, they feel and experience his presence, and they see it in us. When people encounter us, that they see Jesus, they hear him, they feel his arms around them, they experience his love because you have filled us up and you are pouring out through us. God, that's our prayer today. Help us to see the world with Jesus' eyes and not just the world, but that person right beside us, that person in our family, that person at work, that person next door. Make us like Jesus, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.